I'm so excited that you guys are connecting with us today. It's an awesome day to connect. And listen, if you are with us for the very first time, I want to encourage you to text NBCC New to 77411. We want to get to know who you are. We want to love on you. Would you give us an opportunity to do that? Just go ahead and text once again, NBCC New 77411. Let's pray for the message. God, I ask that you just pour out your spirit and do a supernatural work on me and through me and on all who are listening as they're sitting in homes and all kinds of establishments across the country and across the world. Move mightily by your spirit, would you? In Jesus' name we pray. We're expecting miracles today uh, as you use a broken piece of human being such as I am. We're expecting miracles uh, as you pour your spirit out on all of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, guys, uh, it's delighted. I'm delighted to see you. Listen, today I just want to talk about your God, God-sized dream. We're getting ready to, uh, most of us are, if you're living here in, Amer- in the States, most states are beginning to open up and uh, uh, we're beginning to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic. And, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the importance of a God-sized dream. And I want to turn to uh, Exodus chapter 3. You know, a couple of years ago, it seems like light years ago, it was pre-pandemic, uh, I talked about uh, Exodus chapter 3 this, uh, in, in light of, of uh, talking about the power of dreams and the importance of dreams. Uh, I want to return to that and some of those insights today because if there ever was a time that we need to enter into this new season with a brand new God-sized dream, somebody shout God-sized dream, it's now. Okay, let's, connect, let's catch up with Moses. He's uh, about 80 years old. He's, leading the, he's a shepherd leading the sheep in the Sinai uh, uh, wilderness. And he looks up and he sees a bush that's burning and it will not uh, burn up. After several hours, it's still there, still burning. And it gets his attention. He goes and he checks it out. And when he gets close enough, here's the dialogue that begins. Here's the experience that is described. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look at the bush that was burning, God called out to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. Now go, he would later say in verse 10, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. All right, here's, here's, here's the God-sized dream in one sentence. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And there is the reading. Praise God. Can you just type in the chat, God-sized dream? Can you just say out loud, a God-sized dream? You know, here's the deal, guys. As I said a few moments ago, uh, if we're living here in America, just about all of the states are beginning to open up. Uh, come June 15th, California is going to be fully open. Here's the question that I'm wondering about. When everything around you opens up again, you know, post-pandemic, how open will you be? Will you be opened up? You know, open up wide enough so that God can do something new, both in your life and through your life. How open will you be? You know, a few days ago, I was talking to a very dear friend of mine who's also a pastor, and he was kind of describing his state of mind uh, as we're all racing towards, uh, you know, uh, the cities and the states that we're living in opening up. 
And as he described his state of mind, it was a fascinating conversation. He said, first of all, he says he realized that what we used to call a new norm is actually an old norm. You know, when you've been doing something for a year and a year and a half, <laughs> that's an old norm. And as he thought about this, this norm of the past year and a half, he realized that he has settled uh, into a very comfortable routine. He, he describes it this way. He says, look, he gets up early in the morning and he puts on, you know, a nice shirt and tie. He keeps his pajama bottoms on. Nobody knows. He sits in front of the screen and he goes from meeting to meeting to meeting in his pajama bottoms, right? And after the meetings are over, uh, he and his wife has dinner and then uh, they watch some, some of their favorite TV shows and he goes to bed and he gets back up and that's his comfortable routine. He settled. He says that uh, he's okay with the isolation that he's been living through now in this sense, right? He, uh, he, he says, listen, he really appreciates these days being able to go out and wearing a mask or going to the gym and wearing his mask. You know why? Because it's, nobody knows him, that uh, anonymity that he gets. Nobody recognizes him. Nobody's paying a lot of attention to him. He says he, he kind of likes that. He's okay with that. A kind of isolation from having to be in the hustle and bustle of the world, racing to that place over there, jumping on a plane, going over there. But rather just really being isolated in his life. He says he's okay with that. And he's even comfortable, he says, with the cynicism that has kicked in, uh, that comes through all of the brokenness of life that we're wrestling with from from issues around race to political toxicity to, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, he, 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 he would acknowledge that there's some cynicism that is setting in. And, and he's very philosophical these days. And, you know, he's kind of okay with that. And as we talked, he lifted two insights that I found to be fascinating. Uh, the first, he says, he described this experience that I just described. And he related to what he would call um, a COVID cave. Can you say COVID cave? Essentially what he says for the last year and a half, he has been found a comfortable place in his COVID cave. And as he starts to think about emerging from the COVID cave, he, he says there's a lot of high anxiety about mixing it up with people again. A lot of high anxiety about, about, about trying to re-enter life. I bet you some of you who are listening to me today, you're like, yeah, that's right. That's that, that, I, I'm super anxious. I'm sure someone is thinking about what does it mean to re-emerge into this new place that we're going to be living together in this, this new open up world. And then he said something else that really captured me as we were talking. And we were talking a little bit. What started this conversation, I was sharing with him about this message I was going to preach to you guys today. And he says, you know what? He's been kind of hiding in this, uh, living in this COVID cave for the last year and a half. And one of the things that the pandemic has done for him is that it has shrunk his imagination. That, that his imagination, his capacity to imagine has gotten smaller. You know, some of you are listening to me today and you're saying, I really do not relate to uh, high anxiety about entering the world again, about the world opening up. You're thinking, I can't wait till the world open up. I'm ready to get back out and re-engage. But your challenge is, potentially, that when you break out of the cave and re-engage, you're going to do so with a very small 
imagination. Can somebody just say small imagination? Type that in the chat, small imagination. Yeah, a small imagination, meaning you're, you're expecting to reenter the world that you exited from a year and a half ago. And in many ways, that world has radically changed. The transportation patterns, the, uh, the office work schedules, the, the interrelations, the relationship uh, patterns and all that stuff, right? The world is kind of jumbled up and it's radically shifted. And you're going to go into a new world expecting an old world and suddenly you're going to realize, wow, I'm in a new place and, I, and that's when anxiety is going to hit you. You're going to feel disconnected. You're going to feel lost. And so I want to just teach this message to kind of help us to prepare for this reality. And I want to suggest to you that at the end of the day that what ultimately prepares you for a new season is a new God-sized dream. That's what prepares you for a brand new season. And so listen, listen, here's the deal. Uh, 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 Let me just make this point. New dreams initiate new seasons new dreams initiates new seasons now this is where we find Moses guys you know Moses first 40 years is defined by power and popularity he's he's in the inner city of 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 the hustle and bustle of Egypt the most powerful nation in the world you know, he, he, some of you know the, the, the remarkable story. He was born a Hebrew baby at the time that Hebrew male babies were being uh, killed by genocide. He ultimately was miraculously rescued and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up Pharaoh's grandson. He's, he's, he's in line to become Pharaoh. He's, he's powerful. He's popular. Come on. And yet he realizes he knows he's a Hebrew. And one day he walks out and he sees increasingly how the Egyptians are oppressing and beating and abusing and being brutal to the Hebrew brothers. And on one occasion he intervenes and there's a fight breaks out and he ends up killing the person, burying him in the sand. And he ultimately has to exit, flee as a, as a, as a wanted felon, if you were to use modern day language. And he exits the scene. And and like many of us for the last year and a half, he exits from the hustle and bustle of a world that he knew into a place called Midian, a small village town, life slowed down, totally isolated from big city life. There with a family, he ends up marrying the daughter of Jethro, who's kind of the local priest there, small town. And for the next 40 years, he goes from being popular and powerful to becoming unknown, invisible, totally isolated from the experience. And it's not just for a year and a half, guys. For 40 years, he has settled into his, 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 his routines of just being a shepherd, quietly minding his own business, taking care of the responsibilities of the farm with Egypt far in his background. In the background, he has, he's, he's okay with the isolation. He never expects to go back to Egypt again. He's cool where he is, kind of, you know, hanging out in his COVID cave, if you will. Uh, uh, he, he's, he's settled into his own cynicism and he's comfortable with his cynicism I'm sure he was cynical about religion because after all the Hebrew people that he was a part of that were still in slavery in Egypt they had been praying to a God for 400 years to deliver them and that God was invisible 
and nowhere to be seen. And their lot and their situation was getting, I'm sure he was cynical about faith. And then the text explodes, right? I, 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 I love how the, how the, how the, how the, how the, how the, how the text explodes. It, 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 he's doing his regular routine and he sees this bush that will not burn up. And, 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 and you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't unusual to see bushes catching on fire. That was part of the environmental conditions. But this was a bush that after hours, it just stayed there. I love this notion of the burning bush. Can, everybody, can you just shout burning bush? I, I think what a great image of this, this, this burning bush. And, 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 and here's the deal. As I think about the burning bush, you know, it, 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 was, it was, you know, Moses had a, had, a, had a burning desire, I believe, towards the end of his days in Egypt to begin to see his people set free from bondage, from captivity. But then after 40 years, he felt like that, that burning dream had disappeared. But, but God knew that the, the embryos were still there and there was still something burning beneath all of that. I love that. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a burning bush happening in your life? Is there, is there a dream or a passion that you've tried to walk away from, you've tried to forget, but it's still there? Check this inside out. Listen, this is what I believe. God has a God-sized dream. Watch this. For every person at every age and in every season of your life, I want to remind you, Moses was 80 years old, guys. He, he, he was in retirement. I know that God is speaking to somebody in your 70s or your 80s. Now he's saying, listen, yeah, I bless you with health. I bless you with resources. I'm calling you back on assignment. You know, I'm calling you back on assignment. I've got a God-sized dream for you. There's something. Now, listen, some of you listen. You say, look, I just come through the pandemic and <laughs> I don't have any burning dream in me. Well, you know what? Your prayer needs to be, God, set me on fire. God, ignite a, a burning bush experience. God, let me burn on the inside. Type that in the chat. God, set me on fire. Come on, type it in the chat. God, let me burn on the inside. God, ignite a new dream in me as I get ready to enter a new season. You need it. Not just any dream, but a God-sized dream. That's right. God says dream. And so God gets his attention, Moses, that is. Moses goes and he, he, he checks out this burning bush. Now let me talk to you about the characteristics of a God-sized dream. And the first characteristic of a God-sized dream is it's God-initiated. God initiates it. We'll look here in the text. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the blazing fire. And let me just point out that just before this, you know, when God called out to Moses, he said, Moses, Moses, after Moses got there, right? And, and whenever we hear that double, uh, that double calling, Moses, Moses, it's like when God calls Samuel, he says, Samuel, Samuel. It's like when God called the apostle Paul, who used to be named Saul, he said, Saul, Saul. It's this, this notion that, 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 that one's imagination is so small. 
That one cynicism is so great that God kind of has to shout at you. He has to shout at you, Moses, Moses. And God is shouting at somebody today. He's, he's calling your name. Wake up. I need to expand your imagination. I've got a God-sized dream for you. And, and the first thing we know about God-sized dreams is that it is God-initiated. We see it in the text, right? There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stares at it in amazement. Watch, go forward. Next, next, next slide, next slide. And, 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 and it says that Moses says, this is amazing. He says, he says, you know, I gotta go explore it. I gotta go check it out. Some of you've got a burning going on in you and, and you've been ignoring it. And you're saying, well, I don't know whether it's from God or from God. That's cool. Go check it out. And so Moses goes and checks it out. The second characteristic about a God-sized dream is that it is so huge. It is so powerful until it cannot, it will not happen. It cannot happen without God. It's so magnificent. It's so huge. It's beyond your ability. It will not happen without God. Look at how it shows up in the text. God lays out the dream for Moses. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people of Israel out of where? Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. Egypt. Moses, I want you to go. No military? Go. No diplomatic corps? Go. No weaponry? I want you to walk right in. No money? Just walk right into the heart of the most powerful nation on the planet, Egypt, and take what is at the very core of its economic existence that is built upon its slave labor. And I want you to just say, hey, <laughs> that, that sounds ridiculous. But you see, it would not happen without God. Yeah. God's got a ridiculous dream for you that won't happen without him. And then the next characteristic of a God-sized dream is, on the one hand, it is so powerful and so huge, it will not happen without God. On the other hand, check me out, it is so personal that it, it will not happen without you it can't happen without God and will not happen without you watch the text watch the text now go for I'm sending you you to Pharaoh you see Moses you see before you were in your mother's womb Moses come on I had called out a place for you in my will and I've been working in your life to get you to this place and it's now I'm overtaking you with a God size and 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 this God size dream has a unique place for you it's uniquely personal you shout you you shout me me type it in the chat me you must lead my people you've got to get involved in this ring you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt and then this next form the characteristics it's always more listen now it's always more about others about others Watch the text. Watch the text. Here it is. Now go. He says to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel. It's about my people Israel. It's not about you. He didn't say, God, God uh, uh, Moses, come. I'm going to make you wealthy. 
He didn't say, Moses, come, I'm going to create and carve out a place for you in history where people will not forget you. He didn't say, come, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bestow upon you great political power. And, and, and oftentimes those things may come as a byproduct. Sometimes God wills those things into certain individual lives. But, but ultimately, come on now, all of those things, when God is at work, is about serving more than yourself. I, it's, it's about my people, 600,000 plus women and children, over a million people that's in abundance. It's about them, Moses. Not your comfort, them. Not your prosperity, them. So what is your God-sized dream? Make a note of that. That's what you should be praying and wrestling about. While you're thinking it through, let me tell you about a young woman, not Moses, centuries ago, but a young woman right now, Miss Jenlea McPherson. She's a member of the Mountain View Police Force. But she's also a founding partner of our congregation, New Beginnings Community Church, the Bay Area. I'm so super proud of her. Uh, here's a picture of her and her husband, Anthony. I married them seven years ago. As a matter of fact, every time the church uh, crosses over a new uh, anniversary, they celebrate a new anniversary too. They got married within two or three months prior to the birthing of this, of this incredible church. It's Anthony, along with his amazing wife. His wife started, became a police officer in 2003. But I want you to notice this timeline. In 2004, a dream started to stir in her, a God-sized dream. And she began, as she was driving, she began to notice the homeless. She was being called as a police officer to move people along, to arrest some people, and so forth and so on. Something happened in her heart. And before she knew it, she was gathering clothes from her home and clothes from her family members and shoes and pants and different, different clothes. And she's putting it in the back of her patrol car and she was starting to giving away to the homeless people that she was engaging with. That was in 2004. As a matter of fact, she became so adept at it and so known for it that whenever the, the police, uh, whenever the, uh, the, 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 the local police needed to engage with nonprofit agencies and the government agencies about the homeless, they would send her. Whenever they would think about anything, they would they call her the homeless officer. In 2012, that dream kept getting bigger. And finally, she went to her supervisor in 2012, and she's cast a vision for a position that they did not even have, which was, uh, you know, we need to set aside a, an officer who's full-time to engage with the community. 2012. He kind of poo-pooed her, to use the term of the kids, I guess. And he said, okay, okay. Went on about his business. But she kept doing the work, and she kept dreaming, and she kept praying, and she kept doing the work. She wouldn't let it die. 2017, the new position was actually crafted and funded and staffed. Immediately, she was going to apply for a position that she had envisioned and, and fought for, 
But the person who was most in line had about two years for retirement. And I don't know if you were around about two or three weeks ago, my good friend George Henneman from Seattle talked about that, that sometimes Christians are called to disadvantage themselves for others. And she realized that, 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 if, that, that he needed that position more than she did. And so she stepped back, wouldn't apply so he could actually get the position. He held the position for two years and retired. Then she applied. Guess what? They put somebody else in the position. But she kept doing what God had called her to do. And in 2021, she was placed in the position of community officer for Mountain View. And now it's her full-time job to go around and find uh, people who are homeless and help connect them to mental health services and to be rehoused services and a whole range. Here's a, here's a great, here's, here's a show right here. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> MVP, uh, Mountain View Police Officer New Role links homeless with vital services. And they talk about her as a new community outreach officer. And this is here, right here. Go back one screen, please. Go back one screen. Go back one screen. Uh, she, she's been on the force for 18 years. Uh, uh, this happens here. And, and it's about, it took her 17 years from the time that that dream started to stir in her to the time that she actually was able to live it out fully. It was a God's, let's see whether or not to be, was it God initiated? Go, you go forward, go forward, go forward, go to the next slide. Watch this. Was it uh, 17 years to get here? Okay, let's tell you, you know, it's God initiated. Yes, she, she was just going about her business and the stirring started to happen in her life. It's so huge uh, that it will never happen without God. There was no imagination for that position until she spoke up and, and challenged her supervisor. But, but, but it's so uniquely personal that it will not happen without her, that she was the vehicle to, 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 to imagine it into existence, if you will. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, 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 and at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's mostly about others. It was not about her. It's about how she's a blessing to the broader community. What is your God-sized dream? Hmm. Let me give you the final characteristic of a God-sized dream. A God-sized dream is God's dream. It's not your dream. It's, it's God's dream. See, 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 check it out. Let's next, put, put the text up. Look at this. Now go, God says to Moses, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Check this out. My people Israel out of Egypt is my people. This is ultimately, Moses, my dream. Yes, I nurtured it in you 40-some years ago, actually 80 years ago. I started to set you aside to nurture this dream. But I want you to understand, it's my dream that, that they are my people that I'm calling to come forth out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. Come on, my people. These are my people, Jen Leah, that, that I raised you up to give birth to this program so that you can begin to connect and help and take care of, of my people who are homeless and my people who are displaced and my people who are dealing with mental health services. Yes, yes, it's my dream. It's my dream. It's my dream. It's my dream. Now let me quickly just talk you through some of the, there's always a cost. Somebody shout cost. There's always a cost. Let me just quickly talk you through some of the costs of, of, of the next text. So next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Uh, now go. He says to Moses, I want you to leave the place where you've been for 40 years. You've adjusted to your routine and Go. Everybody shout, go. Type that in the text. Here's the first insight. 
you must be prepared to leave your comfort zone. God said to Moses, leave. Uh, here's a quote that I think is, is interesting. Actually, I'm a par- I'm paraphrasing. A friend of mine said it in Seattle, Washington, Pastor Aaron, but I'm paraphrasing it here. You want to get this. You might want to take a picture of this. There is little growth in your comfort zone, and there is little comfort in your growth zone. <laughs> you can't be what God wants you to be until you're ready to exit your comfort zone. Now, when you get ready to exit your comfort zone, here's the second thing, cost you're going to pay. You've got to contend with your fears. You know, the first fear that Moses has was that he wasn't important enough. Here it is in the text. Let me show you in the text. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel? Who am I? I'm just a gen- I'm, I'm 80 years. I'm just an old man out in the wilderness. I'm no longer important. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any prestige. I don't have any power. I don't have any money. I'm not important enough. And some of you are thinking the same thing as it relates to what God has birthing in you. I'm sure Jan Lear, she thought the same thing. You know, when I talked to Jan Lear, she described herself. She says, listen, I, I, I tell you about me. I, I, you know, she says, I was a female. I'm not even sure how I became a police other than God called me to do it, she says. She says, I'm a female. I'm an immigrant. She says, I'm uh, four feet 11 and, and, and no one's fault, you know. And, 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 and who would I be that God would not only make me a police officer, but give birth to such an amazing program? See, here's the point. It's not how important you think you are. It's how important you are to God that matters. How important you are to God's plan, to God's dream. That matters. Here's the second fear. Here's the second fear. I'm not spiritual enough. Listen to what Moses says. He says, he says listen. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them that the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, well, how well do you know him, right? What is his name and then what should I tell them? He said, they're going to ask me, how well do I know you? How close am I to you? You know, you know, you know, how much time do I spend? Do I really know? Because to know his name is to know him intimately. That's what the insight behind this text. And Moses is saying, listen, let me just be honest with you. I still got a lot of cynicisms about you, God. I, 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 I don't know you at all, really, to tell you the truth. But, but so, so I'm not qualified. But God is saying, it's not, it's not about how much you know me. It's about how well I know you. <laughs> Come on. I picked you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Here's the third fear. Here's the third fear. I'm not gifted enough. Isn't that powerful? Isn't it? This, this is some of you, you can relate to this, right? I'm not gifted enough. Here's, here's how it shows up in the text. When Moses pleaded with God, he says, listen, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, let me just—I get tongue-tied, God. My words get tangled, and some people thought that this was actually a disability that he was trying to explain. I'm not—I'm not gifted enough. Jan Leah was talking about herself, and and she was explaining to me about. You know, how shocked she was, number one, that she'd be a police officer, and number two, that God would use her in this amazing way. And she says, you know what, I'm not as smart as, you know, I'm not really all that smart, she says. 
like folk in, with, in school and all of that. I, I don't see myself that way. And, 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 and I told her, uh, uh, listen, you're brilliant. You're, you're brilliant enough. For, for It is God that, that shaped your mind so you could receive this remarkable vision. And, and, and you had enough courage to pursue it. But the young lady, that's brilliance. But at the end of the day, come on now, uh, 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 your disadvantages happen to be God's opportunities. Because that's how God displays his power through our broken lives. His light shines through the whole of our lives. Somebody says, it's got to be something more than, than just this. Yeah, it's God. Note this insight. Never be so afraid of failure that you fail to, that you fail to try. Because if you fail after reaching for God's such dream, you're not going to be any worse off than you are now, guys. <laughs> the situation won't be any worse. You're just laying where you are. But if you reach for God's size dream, oh my, oh my, look at how the world will change. Here's finally, here's the impact of a God's size dream. Here's what, here's what, here's what, here's what, um, here's what, uh, um, uh, Jen Leah would say that happened to her. You know, when you're pursuing a God-sized dream, first of all, it changes the world around you. Look at the world around her. Hundreds of people on a monthly basis is being impacted and changed the world around her. Number two, it changes your relationship, your experience. Substitute this word relationship with experience. Your experience of God, it becomes alive and real. And number three, it changes you. <laughs> Not only was Moses different, but Jen Leah is different. God wants to make you different. You know, I'm bringing this to a close. You know, a, a few months ago when we kicked off our growth series, I invited Pastor Kim Foreman to come over. And I asked him uh, to preach the first week of that series because it was the weekend of our seventh year anniversary. And he preached a message called Dream Again. And some of you may recall that uh, the week afterwards, I, I talked about how powerful that message was because it connected deeply with a, with a personal space in me from my past. And, and I talked about how necessary it was for us to have big dreams, God-sized dream in order to, to, to survive the pandemic and burst into a new season. But I also told you that I didn't feel like dreaming. And the whole growth series was about how to work through the barriers to get us to a place that we could really start dreaming again. And I just want to announce today, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm dreaming again. And I just want to invite the, the, the best way to go into a brand new season as this, as this pandemic is to have a God-sized dream. And, and you know what? I, I, I'm thinking what if again. I, 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 you know, the most powerful words in the English language are the words what if in the, in the mouth of one who believes in almighty God. What if? You know, our church is located about one block our, our San Jose campus is located about one block from City Hall. And I haven't talked to my staff about this. I haven't talked to my board about this. But I, 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 I've been walking around thinking, what if? It's, 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 it's prostitution that surrounds that area. And there's, there's drug addiction and, and, and that surrounds that area. There's homelessness and there's mental health challenges that just surrounds that area. Tons of churches, tons of organizations, but, but kind of settled into the status quo. And I'm just thinking, what if, what if God dropped us right there because there, there was somebody like me in a congregation that's coming around that, that, that's not comfortable
of all, not content with settling for the status quo, quo. What if we started dreaming that, that six years from now that God would use us to transform a six block radius of the church and, and that those are now who are now trapped in hopelessness and despair will become small business owners and, 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 and be rehoused and have fresh dreams of their own. What if? That's what I started. I, I, what if? Can you say what if? What if? What if? What if? Dangerous words. Dangerous words. Dangerous words. Would it happen overnight? Oh, no. Doesn't it mean that we have to organize and partner with churches and faith organizations and nonprofits and the government? Oh, yes. Would it be a lot of ups and downs? Absolutely. Uh, might, might it be longer than six years? Sure. But, 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 but if we've slipped into God's dream for his people in that area, oh, it will surely come to pass. What's your what if? I think about I think about our church and, and 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 we're trying to live through this this age of division and I'm thinking what if what if we can be that unique church that learns to live together and to love one another across radical differences around politics and and radical differences uh, you know you, you name it the views on sexuality radical differences even in theology but we learn to love one another across those inescapable differences and then God might God use us to teach the larger region and more how to do the same what if Whew. what if guys what if, you see, what if, what if, what if is rooted in, in, in what, I, what I call realism because it has to take assessment of the complexity of where it stands. But, but what if imagines a, 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 a practicalism because dreams don't just become reality out of thin air. There needs to be a strategy and practical planning and prayer. But it's always tied to an idealism. An idealism that says, what if the world can change if we follow God? power in the world what <laughs> if that's that defines the bible that idealism you know you know you you hear it throughout scripture don't you you hear it when 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 this when when isaiah says and the day will come when they will beat their 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 swords into into plowshares when the when the lions shall lie down by the lamb idealism you hear it when when the writer in in revelation says i see a new heaven and a new earth coming down and i heard a voice that declared that god has made god's home among his people and there shall be no more weeping and no more pain and no more sorrow and no more death. I pursue a God that's rooted in reality. Come on now. But, but, but it's driven in the details of practicality. But it's always reaching towards idealism. Oh, I pursue a God who is the Lord of the what ifs. I invite you to do the same in Jesus name. Amen and amen and amen. God, bless, set us on fire on the inside and bless us, each of us with our own what ifs, that from those places you might give birth to God-sized dreams as you initiate new dreams for new seasons. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Listen, I want you to go ahead and share this. If you're watching on Facebook, I want you to go ahead and share this with your friends. And uh, 
and uh, share the link to our website as well if you're not on Facebook and, and whatever uh, you do. Make sure you get back here for Father's Day. We're going to have a wonderful Father's Day celebration next weekend. God bless you. Okay, listen. God wants to position you for your what if. He wants you to respond. At this very moment, there's a link to our connection card popping up in the Facebook chat. And it's also on our website. It's the way through which you can take a next step. And if you have our NBCC app, just simply open it, go to the Sunday screen, go to the connection card and look at next steps with Jesus. And you've got three options. And I want to challenge you. This will be an awesome day for you to say, look, I want to I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to make I want to become a Jesus follower from time to eternity. I want to follow him into my what ifs so that he can give birth to a God sized dream. And there are a couple other options there. And I want to encourage you to consider that. I want to challenge all of us to pray this prayer that I've built into the response to the message. You can certainly check it if you're in the, the, uh, the, the app. But I just want you to just we got it here on the screen. Just 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 pray this prayer with me. Come on, let's pray it out loud. God. Reveal and confirm your dream for me. Let's pray it again. God, reveal and confirm your dream for me. Take a picture of this. I want to, if, if, if you don't know what that dream is, I want you to start praying That's this prayer. Maybe you think you know what the dream is and you need to confirm, start praying this prayer. And as you wrestle with God to try to discern what that is, just know you do that on holy ground. And then, Take a picture of this reflection question. It's tied into this, this larger, the, the, whole, the whole subject we've been dealing with. Is there a dream that's beginning to burn in my heart? And if not, pray that God will start something burning. 